Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to our latest edition of Argyle Chat. Joining me to discuss the latest going on at Plymouth Argyle is our football editor, Chris Harrington. Hi, Chris. Yeah, hello, Stu. All good? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, fine, thank you. Yeah, um, first defeat of the season at Newport County on Saturday, so that was... Um, that was disappointing, but you know, three games in, 42, 43 to go. Lots to talk about on the Argyle front today, I think. Absolutely. And mm. it, it, it was an interesting defeat, really. Mm. Um, it was going to happen at some time. Mm. Um, Newport County, not the prettiest team or the most aesthetically pleasing team on the eye, that's for sure. But mm. very effective yeah. and very streetwise in terms of League 2 football, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, that was a good um, insight for the Argyle players into what a lot of League 2 football was going to be like. I, I thought the first couple of league games against Crewe and Colchester, Argyle played against teams that um, let them play to a degree. They, they both wanted to play passing football as well. Newport are a different type of opposition. I would stress that, you know, and wouldn't criticise them at all. They play to their strengths. Michael Flynn has done a fantastic job yeah, there. very much And so. you see them in action. And I know it's a cliche, but not many teams will win at Rodney Parade this season. It's it's a tough style of football to play against. They're in your, your face. They um, they play the ball from back to front quite quickly, but they play to their strengths. There was 5,000 people there on Saturday, um, but they make some good noise as well, their yeah. home fans. It's it's quite a... you know It can be quite an intimidating ground for by League Two standards, and it, it, it was difficult. Uh, Argyle were the better team in the first half. But they couldn't maintain the momentum in the second half. I thought they were going to hold on for for a draw. Or when I say hold on, I thought they were going to play out a draw. That's the way it looked it was going. But a late goal conceded, first one of the season that Argyle have let in. And it's cost them cost them a point. I think in the circumstances, if they'd come away with a nil-nil, Ryan Lowe would have been, been pretty happy with that. Mm, absolutely. Well, you touched on it there. I mean, the statistics, I know... Mm. You know, you, you shouldn't read too much into mm. statistics, but the first half display, 75% of possession, mm. 73% overall. Yes. It sounded like a pretty dominant Argyle performance, really. And very different from what we've seen away from home from Argyle over recent years under, under Derek Adams. Quite yeah. often the, the possession stats would be the other way around and the home team would be you know, 73%. So it is different. I think some teams will sit back, uh, and let Argyle, even away from home, sort of have the ball, but just make sure that they can't get in behind them. Um, it was noticeable that Newport did a good job on Danny Meyer. They um, made sure that whenever he got the ball, there was two or three people around him. He got very little space to um, to create um, openings for Argyle. So they had plenty of possession. thought Joe Edwards had a, had a really good game uh, in the midfield holding role. Got to be honest, I was a bit surprised when... Ryan Lowe took him off in the 53rd minute and replaced him with Jose Baxter. Not because Baxter not because Baxter isn't a good player, he is a good player and he certainly gives Argyle um, some guile and craft and when you're looking for a goal, you know, he, he is going to be more than capable of providing that. But I think the dilemma that Ryan Lowe is facing at, at the moment is he's taking off Joe Edwards to, to put Jose Baxter on and like I say, I haven't got a problem with Baxter playing, but... I do think Argyle then miss Joe Edwards mm. when he's not on the pitch. And, and maybe that's something, you know, I haven't had the chance to ask the manager about it yet, but, you know, is it always going to be a case of Baxter for Edwards or is there another way of just tweaking things? 
to try and uh, maybe get both of them because I thought when, I, when Edwards went off, just that little bit of extra protection and distribution of the ball from the back was, was missing. Although Newport, I thought, were very clever. Um, we were talking about it earlier, Stu. They brought Tristan Abrams on as, as a striker to play alongside Jamal Matt in the second half. They dropped Padre Garman, who's normally an out-and-out striker, just in behind. And that meant that Joe Edwards had to be aware of Amond uh, rather than trying to dictate play for Argyle. So, um, yeah, it was, it's, it was an interesting game. Um, Argyle should have learned a lot from that. They're not going to have it all their own way. Although the possession stats tell you that, you know, they were well in the game. Maybe the, the attacking players um, could have done a bit better on Saturday. Well, that was my next question, actually. Mm. Do the attacking players need to do a little bit more? It sounds mm. as though mm. you know, Danny Mayer was pretty much marked out of the game. But yep. if that's the case, then Argyle have to find Correct. another way of, of scoring goals. Don't yeah, they? you need Anthony Sarsavic to, to step up to the plate and uh, create chances. You need uh, a little bit more from, from Dom Telford and, and Ryan Taylor than they got on Saturday. It's, it's not been an ideal start to the season when it comes to, to the four main strikers at Argyle. When you consider that Ryan Taylor and Dom Telford both missed most of the pre-season matches because of, of injuries, ankle and thigh. So Argyle ended up starting the season with Byron Moore and Joel Grant up front. Both of them started the season quite well, but Joel Grant's had a, a hamstring injury and missed the last couple of games, although happily it sounds as though he'll be back fairly soon. Um, but then Byron Moore missed out on Saturday. He had a, a hamstring issue as well. Ryan Lowe seems to be one of these. He's very cautious when people have any sort of issues. He doesn't doesn't play them and take a risk. So Byron Moore didn't make the trip. So having started the season at Crewe a fortnight earlier with Byron Moore and Joel Grant and winning that game 3-0, a fortnight later, Moore and Grant are both missing and Taylor and Telford, who missed most of pre-season, are up front against Newport. And that's that's not ideal. So all four strikers at Argyle have already had an issue. Not major issues, but you know, at the start of the season, you want to get into a flow, yeah. don't you? you know, yeah, and, um, so that might be something to do with it, that they just need to get the, the players fit, games, and building up understandings and relationships with those around them. Yeah, it's interesting. I read uh, Ryan Lowe's quotes after the game, and, mm. and one point he made to you is that he wanted mm. more boys, uh, more boys, mm. more balls rather, down mm. the side. Yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose when you spoke about the likes of Moore and Grant, they yeah. are the sort of, yes. not an out-and-out out striker as such, but they will make those forward runs, won't yeah, they? Yeah, and Dom Telford. And run the channels and, and Telford as well. Same, so, so, was that part of the issue on Saturday, the fact that Ryan Taylor is not the sort of striker that is going to turn his defender and run the channels? No, I, I think Ryan Taylor did, did fine in the first half. I think they, you know, they, they could play off him and there is something to be said for having a, a striker there that can hold the ball up and then link up with the Danny Myers yeah. and, and Anthony Sarsavics and stuff like that. But Ryan Lowe felt that Newport's weakness was down the size of those centre-backs and that's where he wanted Argyle to try and exploit it. Uh, and that's where Don Telford, who he'd had a really good game against um, Lake Norrit in the Carabao Cup last week, he just couldn't quite get himself into those positions. Sometimes the ball wasn't quite played to him at the right time. Sometimes maybe he wasn't in exactly the right positions. But he was the player, I think, that Ryan Lowe would have wanted to really... You know, cause Newport problems, and, and he did, he didn't really get into too many um, attacking positions in the final third. And when I sat down and, and did my ratings, it was a difficult one because I'm, I'm not saying they didn't put effort in, but I think for the for Taylor and Telford to to have 
as few chances. I don't think they really had a chance between them. You know, at some point the two strikers have got to mm. contribute to the attacking play. So um, especially when Ryan Lowe has, you know, yes. come out and said what an attacking manager he yes. is, yep. and he needs the strikers to score goals to stay in the team. And but then he needs the wing backs to get forward yeah. and get crosses in the box. Ryan, you know, Ryan Lowe isn't, as you rightly say, going to run the channels. But if the wing backs can get out wide and put plenty of crosses in the box, then he's um, then he might be able to uh, to benefit from that. So, uh, but you know, opposition know how Ryan Lowe's teams are going to play. You know, and they will know that if Argyle's two wing backs can really push forward and get lots of crosses in the box, they're going to have problems. So they're going to try and stop the wing backs from getting um, as far forward. So, uh, you know, it's it's. It's always going to be a work in progress of Argyle. We're three games into the season. Hopefully, as more games play, players settle in, players get better understandings with each other, things will improve. But I do go back to the point as well. I think Newport are a decent side. Yeah, they, they make it difficult for you. And you really have to battle and scrap. And it's no surprise when you see them on Saturday why they've had you know some quite good success in cup ties against Premier League teams because... You know, they don't let you play it's an awkward style of play it, isn't it, it is and, and they play to their strengths and there's nothing wrong with that and um, you know it's early in the season but I'd be surprised if Newport, Newport weren't in the playoffs yeah. this season when you look at the, the players they've got the way they play and the home record they've got well they were playoff finalists last year and, yeah. and since Flynn's gone in there I mean mm. he kept them up against the odds in his first yep. season built and they finished mid-table mm. second season yep. playoff finalists last year so yep. it's a great sign of progress no, that he's made they're, they're a club that's you know going in the right direction yeah very mm. much so uh, one striker that left Argyle mm. uh, last week Callum Dyson yeah. it just never worked out for him did it at, at home park no it was um, it was a move that looked good on paper when it first happened you know a, a player that Derek Adams had tried to sign before he finally brought him uh, last summer from Everton and he hoped it would work out um, but it didn't even from his early days didn't have a great first pre-season with Argyle and it, it seemed to be after that that he was never really in the reckoning to get a first team chance. Just two sub-appearances in the Checker Trade Trophy, that was it. He went on loan to Stevenage in the second half of the season, had an ankle problem, so never played for them. Uh, came back for the start of pre-season, did all the running, Ryan Lowe said. He was impressed with his, with the, with his fitness. Uh, he played briefly in the first pre-season game at Truro City and and that turned out to be the last time we saw him in an Argyle shirt. And uh, uh, it sounds as though um, the ankle problem that he's had has, has not gone away. It's still an issue. And so I think that's something that you know Callum Dyson is going to have to try and address and think about what he does next. Um, hopefully that involves him still playing football, but at what level, you know, um, time will tell. I think it became clear to all concerned that it, it wasn't going to, happened for him at Argyle, you know, fitness-wise, opportunity-wise. And so it probably made sense all round to to call it a day. Um, you know, I'm told that Argyle, um, you know, came up with a with a fair package to Callum Dyson to, to terminate his contract. And, um, you know, I hope it works out better for him um, wherever he plays his football next. But uh, not one that uh, that's worked out well for all concerned. And you know it further heightens the the fact that maybe with Taylor Telford, Byron Moore, Joel Grant, Argyle still need one more striker to um, to add to the mix. I did ask Ryan Lowe after the game. 
you know, does he wants to bring in one more? He wants to, he says he wants to add one more player to his squad. So I says, well, does that mean that's a striker? And he said, um, no, not necessarily, but an attacking player. So um, you know, we'll see how that works mm-hmm. out. The deadline for signings, if if you're not aware, um, is September the second. Uh, ordinarily, it would be the last day in August, but the last day in August is a Saturday, so the deadline's five o'clock on September the second. Yeah, so, bank holiday weekend as well, I suppose. Yeah, so. and I would imagine what will happen is that um, um, Premier League clubs, Championship clubs, will get past the second round of the Carabao Cup this week, and then they'll look at the young players that have maybe given a game or two in those games and think, well, who would benefit from going out on loan? So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a quite a bit of a loan activity at the end of this week. I also see there's been a bit of speculation about Argyll and um, Jamie Devitt, who was a, a player that was linked with them in the summer, yeah. has gone to Blackpool. Blackpool changed the manager. And, um, you know, so that's a, a, a rumour that's floating around as well. And he certainly comes in under the category of an attacking player. So um be an interesting one to, to see um, if Ryan Lowe goes in that direction. Or if it's uh, somebody from from Premier League Championship club, you know, uh, to looking to get some first team experience. Yeah, well, I was, I was going to ask you. You know, as you say, Ryan Lowe's only said that he wants an attacking player. Do you think that will be a striker or or midfielder? Uh, he he described it as an attacking player, so it's going to be somebody that's versatile, um, com- not an out and out. Could be like that number ten. Yeah, another sort, sort of, of number ten. Um, you would think that there's a, there's a fair few options there, um, but like I say, he described it as an attacking player, so it's, yeah. it's going to be somebody around and about that area. You know, it didn't sound like a target man, for example. I know we've had a, a question from Richard Sloman, which we can just touch on now, and uh, yeah. it's a similar sort of subject. Yeah, Richard Sloman saying, uh, having signed several nippy, skillful forwards, which we cried out for last season, did Saturday show the need for a robust, strong target man to be signed? Well, I... I think Ryan Taylor's a robust, strong target man. Um, he's not had a lot of football in recent mm. times. That's one of the problems. Uh, and he did have some injury issues, as we touched upon earlier in pre-season. I think if you can get Ryan Taylor fit uh, in terms of match sharpness and in terms of staying fit physically, um, he can do that role. Um, I'm not sure from what Ryan Lowe said, and I've just um, discussed that, that he's looking to bring in another one you know, he's got Ryan Taylor, that's yeah. his target man. And as we've mentioned, Ryan Lowe does like the more nippy, skillful forwards. Yeah, yeah. Richard, more fluid Richard, forward yeah. line. So really. I think we're more likely to get um, we're more likely to get a nippy, skillful forward player than a robust yeah. target man. But yeah, I tend to agree. Robust. I don't want to get Argyle fans excited, but there were rumours mm. of uh, Ruben Ramirez being in, in Plymouth <laughs> over the weekend. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I, I haven't checked too closely on how he's done, but he... He definitely started the first game of the uh, Portuguese Premier League season for his new team and they had a win. So I don't know how they got another weekend. I haven't checked it. Yeah, no, I haven't either. So um, no, I don't think think there's anything too much to read in that, but maybe... (laughs) Never say never. Never say never, I suppose. No, that's right. No, I I, I agree. I think um, I'm just thinking back to Ryan Lowe and and his Berry team. Mm. I don't remember an out-and-out mm. sort of target man type striker in that team either. No, I mean, Nicky nippy. Maynard went there and exactly, got lots yeah. of goals. Don Telford played lots of games and, and got goals. Um, I don't think he will consider the need to have two target men in his mm. squad. He's got Ryan Lowe, um, Ryan, Ryan Taylor. Taylor. Ryan's everywhere. Yeah. Um, one thing that is worth mentioning is that Clardy Lollis made his debut for yeah. Argyle on Saturday. He came on 
uh, in the closing stages. It was not long after Newport had taken the lead. He came on for Don for Telford, who, like I say, hadn't really been a factor in the game. Great experience for him. Um, wasn't able to make too much of an impression, but again, it's giving him a taste of first-team football and an experience of being around the squad. And it shows you that, that Ryan Lowe um, you know, has, a, has a regard for him. You know, he threw him on. Um, yes, Argyle were chasing the game, but uh, he's definitely someone with potential. And um, I hope that Argyle can find ways to use him here and there this season. Give him a bit of first-team experience. It's his first year as a professional and um, you know, if he can just get a few games under his belt this season and get a goal or two as well, that will stand him in a good step, step for going forward. be really important for Argyle to try and get one or two um, academy graduates into the first team. If not regulars, but you know, part yeah. of a regular match day squad. Adam Randall was on the bench on Saturday yeah. as well. That's exactly it, isn't it? I mean, you know, these players are not first team ready yet and the only way to give them the experience mm. is to give them mm. 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half, half an hour here mm. and there when, when the opportunity's there. Mm. Build up that experience. Next season, they are more sort of streetwise and, and comfortable playing at League 2, League 1 level. Yeah, I mean, they've got to be good enough. Um, but it was good to see that you had on Saturday and they were all on the bench, but they were in the squad nonetheless. Michael Cooper, Adam Randall and Carly Lollis all very recent graduates of the Argyle Academy, part of a match day squad of 18. And the, the key now is to try and make sure they get some games. Michael Cooper played against uh, Leighton Orient in the Carabao Cup, so he might get some more games in cup games and bits and pieces. Adam Randall came on against Orient. Now Sam um, Clardy Lollis has, uh, has come on off the bench. So that at this early stage of the season, they are in and around the squad yeah. and they've just got to try and do their utmost to, when they get a chance, make the most of it and uh, convince the manager that they, they're worth a, a run in the side at some point this season. Absolutely. Uh, interesting that we spoke about the young players there because um, we've seen today or over the weekend, FIFA have this plan to stop or scrap transfer tribunals going forward, which is um, not good news for clubs like Plymouth Argyle. Yes, so it sounds as though they, they would rather... Um, the big clubs, when they sign a, a player from a club like Argyle or, or whatever, just play the the one-off yeah, set fee. One-off set fee, which is then, probably going to be as low as sort of twenty, fifty thousand pounds by yes. the sounds of it. It's not going to be much at all. And then what will be taken away, and is the 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 important part from sort of League One, League Two clubs' point of views, is the is the sell-on, is the the extra money you can make. Uh, you know, you look at uh, Argyle with Sam Gallagher recently, for example, when he moved from Southampton to Blackburn Rovers and they had a 15% sell-on and uh, they've made themselves a substantial sum of money Yeah. Um, for somebody that never actually even signed as an apprentice but because he'd come up through the youth ranks and Argyle were able to sort that deal out, they, uh, they made a, a lot of money. Jack Stevens is another one who's also at Southampton at the moment and there's been talk about him leaving. Um, he, he didn't, but uh, there was talk of a £10 million transfer to Aston Villa during the summer and things like that. Argyle, um, I've got a 10% sell on him. So 10% of £10 million is, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of money. And um, there are clubs around, um, Exeter being one of them, who have made a very good business model out of developing young players, getting them in, into the first team, selling them on, making good sums of money. And they've been able to 
um, uh, build up a, a good infrastructure at the club. And, and Argyle need to do the same. You know, if you've got an academy, um, yes, you want players from your academy to go and play into your first team, but also you'd be very blinkered and short-sighted not to think that we need these players to come through so we can sell them on, so we can make extra money, so that we can reinvest into the academy yeah. and into the first team and so on and so on. So I, I'd be surprised if League One and League Two clubs, I, I would have thought they'd be totally, totally against this. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it just sounds like it's a FIFA idea. Yes. You know, if it does go to clubs and FAs to vote on, then... Yeah you know, they've surely got to go to their members and ask what their thoughts are. And apart from the sort of 20 clubs in the Premier League, I, I don't see any other club being in favour of this because it just kills lower league clubs. You know, it's, as you say, it's a really important revenue stream for them. I just worry that the, the influence of the big clubs is so strong these mm. days, isn't it? That uh, they can pretty much get whatever, whatever they want. Um, you'd like to think that footballing, football governing bodies would think for the... For the greater good, rather than just for the for very for the very wealthy th- few, but um, yeah, it'd be a real shame for for the lower league clubs. And I think what it would do is, if if that happened, what would be the incentive for lower league clubs to have an academy anyway? Yeah, absolutely. because if you if you develop a good player, and as soon as you've developed a good player, he's uh, poached away by a bigger club for a very small fee. What is the point? Mm. No point of having having academies and uh, and that would be a real shame as well because um, it particularly I think in in areas like the southwest where you know opportunities are in football are few and far between there's not that many clubs there's not that many opportunities if if a club like RL didn't have an academy I'm not sure how young football players in this part of the country would would get an opportunity yeah. to ever go and accept the exceptional like 0.1% who are outstanding and you know would always get picked up but a lot of the others just wouldn't get a chance so yeah I'm sure we'll hear about this plan um, in the weeks and months to come but yeah I sincerely hope it doesn't come to anything no I mean what what surprised me so much was hearing FIFA say that basically the reason that this has come about is because they think there are too many tribunals there's there's mm. too many cases for them to deal with and it's mm. like well you know they've got their tribunal panels there they've got mm. people employed to do that job yeah just get on with it and yeah. you know make make it fairer yeah. stop sort of changing stupid handball laws and things like <laughs> that and, and do some proper work i think there's there's more important things for fifa to be concentrating Absolutely. on this to be honest you but um you know fifa do seem to be a bit of a law unto themselves yeah most definitely uh back to the football then and, mm. and back to our girl another match on tuesday and a, mm. a early opportunity to get back to winning ways mm. and salford city which would be an interesting yeah, game given be. that our goal have ne- never played them before no uh last season's national league playoff Both final winners. winners yeah they won at Wembley, um, didn't they? And obviously we saw last season's national league champions uh leighton orient um at home park last week in the carabao cup now both teams made changes, so they weren't at full strength. So I wouldn't want to gauge Orient too much on that, but I thought Argyle were good value for that win, and they were they were a fair bit better than Orient. Now, it'll be interesting to see how Salford compare with Orient, although, like I say, Orient did make changes, so they weren't necessarily at full strength. Uh, I think most people, if much, pretty much everyone, has tipped Salford to go up this season. Um, whether that's partly because of the class of 92 effect, you know, and 
all the Manchester United players, ex-Manchester United players in now own them and just the subsequent publicity they've got. Yeah. I mean, what, Salford have been on the TV twice already this season, yeah. haven't they? Yeah, uh, as well as the documentary. <laughs> as well as the documentary, so... They're doing well on the publicity front. Yeah, most definitely. Well, um, it's interesting because we did that thing in the in the summer, didn't we, about how many Twitter Twitter yes, followers each yeah. club in League Two had, and Salford were miles Do ahead you remember of everybody the else. I think it's about one hundred and twenty thousand. They it? were way more than yeah. anyone else, weren't it's, they? It'd be more than one hundred and twenty thousand. Then I do forget what the number was, but yeah. yeah. Compared, I think it was Bradford and Argyle next, wasn't it? And they yeah, were, but but a long way. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, a long way. Salford had, had way more. I mean, so they've they've clearly got a good budget. Um, they've signed some decent players. Uh, obviously, two former Argyle players in their squad in uh, Carl Lever and the goalkeeper and Oscar Threlkeld. Bit of a mixed bag to start the season with. Yeah, them. yeah. They beat Stevenage on the uh, in their first game back in the or in the football league. Mm. Then went to Crawley and lost, and drew it home to Port Vale on Saturday. Mm. So I think it was a last minute equaliser as yes. well, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe so. So, so you know, there's there's expectations there. Um, they they're they're going to go straight through and into League One. Uh, they haven't assembled the squad they've had, and and they got Graham Alexander in as as manager when they were in the National League. He's had a lot of success in in the Football League. So that appointment showed you even then that you know this is a club that's intending to go places. Tuesday night, um, you wouldn't imagine there'd be too many come down from Salford. Um, so the Argyle fans are going to need to to create the atmosphere, get behind their team. I've seen them play some decent football so far this season at Owen Park against Colchester and against Orient. And as you said uh, in the introduction to this little piece, uh, this little topic, Stu, you know, when you've lost on a Saturday, you, you're quite keen to play at home on a Tuesday night, get three points on the board, get a win on the on the table, and uh, that would then set them up nicely for another home game on Saturday. So, uh, you know, two two home games in in the space of four days. Uh, an opportunity for Argyle to, to get that defeat by um, Newport out of their system. Yeah, and interesting two games as well, because as, as, as we touched on there, Salford being last year's mm-hmm. uh, National League playoff winners, and Walsall, yeah. of course, who came down from League One with Argyle yes. last year. So Yeah, um, they'd been in League One for a long, long time, yeah. Walsall, um, but it uh, didn't work out well for them last season, as, as Argyle um, will know only too well, because they were relegated along with them. They appointed um, the former Bristol Rovers manager Daryl Clark in the summer. He was someone who I thought would be a would have been a good fit at Argyle. Um, he's gone in at Walsall, so uh, we'll see how he he gets on. But like you say, um, Newport was disappointing. But with home games against Salford and Walsall to come this week, you know if they can put some a good amount of points on the board, preferably six, you know maybe four. But you know if they could get six four points on the board then uh, that would, would leave them in a good position in the early stages mm. of the season. But uh, Ryan Lowe, um, if, uh, we should just mention the, the behind-the-scenes video that uh, yes. uh, Ryan Lowe uh, featured in. I don't know if you've had the chance to see it. Skybet did it. It's a 15-minute behind-the-scenes piece um, based around the, the home pre-season game against Bristol Rovers. So you, you see uh, Ryan Lowe in the dressing room before the game at half-time. And afterwards, and uh, some some of the training sessions and things like that is a really good piece, a fascinating look behind the scenes. But one of the things that struck me about it was that he, he told the players in the dressing room, "We're not going to lose many games here." You know, I'm telling you that we're going to. So mm. he's going to really look to make Home Park a fortress. He wants the players to be on the front foot. He wants them to take the game to the opposition. He wants them to play their style of football, impose their their game on the opposition 
So these two games against Salford and Walsall are an opportunity for Argyle to keep working on that, hone that and try and start making it um, a place where teams really are not looking forward to coming down and playing at. Mm, absolutely. And that Sky video is fascinating. I love <laughs> it. doesn't matter what club it is. Yeah. I think fans just love to get that insight into what goes on in the, in the changing room, yeah. especially when you get privileged access like that and see... Ryan Lowe doing his, his team talks. It was really good. You know, you can see how smart the new dressing rooms look. Uh, I'm <laughs> hoping to have a little tour around them in the in the not-too-distant future. So um, we'll get some video and pictures of that. But the dressing rooms look nice. Interesting to hear how he talked to the player. Um, a very, um, you know, it's almost conversational uh, approach at times as well. And I'm sure it won't always be like that. that well, was I was going to say, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what it'd be like but, in an actual league game, um, wouldn't it? But it was, it was interesting to, to see him. And also just, you know, listening to um, Stephen Schumacher, the assistant manager, and the, the way uh, he and Ryan Lowe have got a very good, close working relationship. And it was interesting to hear him talking about Ryan Lowe and mm. how he's always 100% and he's always flat out. And, and also talking on the top, topic of young managers getting a chance and that is something that in a broader spectrum in football it definitely feels to be the case that younger managers and hopefully more English British managers are, are getting a yeah. chance and uh, you know the old the older managers that, that have been around the block um, you know seem to be sort of disappearing a little bit and maybe some of the younger ones you know Michael Flynn I would include in, in this you know at Newport you had um, Ryan Lowe at 40 Michael Flynn at 38 manager of two teams that are looking to get promoted from League 2 this season so it does feel as though there's a little little bit of a shift away from some mm. of the older faces to some of the younger ones so, and I think that's through the whole football league yes, you look absolutely. at the top level and you mm. see the likes of uh, Chris Wilder at Sheffield yeah. United and yeah. Dean Smith I think I read a stat that of the 20 Premier League teams uh, there are 8 English managers and if you count Brendan Rodgers Northern Ireland uh, there's nine, so nearly yeah. half the Premier League teams Good. have got British managers, which is very different from a few years ago mm. when it was, you know, Sean Dyche, Sam Allardyce, and yeah, the and and these people are giving young English players a chance as well, which yes, is, which absolutely. is equally good. It, to it's, see. it's really good. So I, I think you know that that could be a trend, you know, to watching football. That football is like most things. Once there's a trend or a theme, and in football it was quite fashionable to have foreign managers yeah. for a while and it certainly seems to be the case in the championship I mean the championship just seems to have gone is maybe lagging behind the Premier League and the Premier League are now going towards well we'll give some English yeah. British managers a chance there's a particular reason why Frank Lampard's got the chance at Chelsea because of his close association but at least it's an English manager going into one of the top clubs mm. and getting an opportunity now maybe the championship clubs will follow along in a year or two's time but League One and League Two, you, you look at, you know, Daryl Clark, Paul Hurst, uh, Ryan Lowe, Michael Flynn, you know, there's there's young managers yeah. trying to work their way up through the system, which I think is really, really good and really refreshing. Absolutely. Right, well, we'll leave it on that note then, shall we? Okie dokie, yeah. Thanks for your time as always, Chris, and um, we'll be back with more of the same next week. So thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.